the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. Now I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. Unfortunately, we need to start this updates episode with some bad news, don't we, Stuart? Mm. A few weeks ago, when we last had updates, you, you left us hanging with news that the, the purchaser of one of your, your properties was having potentially cold feet. Why don't you carry on the story? Yes. Yeah, so it was a couple of episodes ago. And essentially, the two days before exchange, a query, a query was raised around the ground rent. So I've since spoken with a couple of people, property investors, and they have said that banks will no longer really touch a property where the ground rent doubles every 10 to 15 years. The property that we're selling, the ground rent doubles every 25 years, which is seen as fairly normal, in inverted commas. But anyway, the query got raised two days before exchange. Question came through, which was, in 72 years' time, the doubling effect would mean the ground rent costs around £1,200 which is in excess of £1,000, which banks won't like. Bearing in mind, we're talking about banks in the year 2093, at which point, as shared previously, my gut feeling was, uh, they're looking for an exit. My solicitor responded to them and said, look, it isn't an issue that we're aware of now, certainly not with the doubling every 25 years. And also there is a an indemnity policy you can take out, an insurance policy, which will indemnify banks against this. And that, that that's a cost of £33. So uh, my solicitor's exact words were to me on the day were, this is a really small thing, should be fine. I wasn't so confident. And sadly, the, the following day, when we actually had to check out the tenant that we had been requested to move out so that the potential buyer could come in and have a look around the property. We checked the tenant out and within an hour, we got the call to say the buyer has now pulled out, which was a kick in the teeth as as anyone that's experienced it can imagine. And even though I consider myself quite pragmatic, I know you and I spoke and it's very hard not to feel very emotive and angry at that stage, purely because we're talking the day before exchange. It was a cash buyer. We'd done a few things. We'd run electrical reports that we didn't legally have to, but we felt were pertinent to do so to help. And as I say, we moved a tenant out to get that call. And I think the thing that leaves us, me personally, with a bad taste is that the the buyer didn't ever respond to any calls from the estate agent only just sent a one-line email saying, you know, for these reasons I'm pulling out because the, their solicitor had said, well, actually, you should go and speak with lenders and see what their view would be in 70 years' time. And he said, well, I'm not doing that, which that I understand. I wouldn't either. And I think you know, there's an element of the, the solicitor being overly cautious. But I've been in this situation myself where you know, if you're buying a property, you know, you, you have to sell yourself to a couple of people, don't you? You have to sell yourself to the estate agent and thereby selling yourself to the vendor if, if you're going to be in a situation where you're where there's multiple buyers. And I've been in a situation where I've, I've worked really hard to develop a relationship with the estate agent, got myself into a position to buy, 
found out the right amount to offer, got the offer accepted. And then within a short period of time, a couple of weeks, realized that without, for whatever reason, we couldn't, we couldn't do the deal. And in, in my circumstance, I always pick up the phone. I hate it, but I pick up the phone straight away. And because ultimately, what can you do other than say, I'm sorry? Pick up the phone. And I said to the stage, I'm really sorry, but we're going to have to pull out. These are the reasons. I know it's not good news, but that's what it is. I actually, on the occasion I had to do it, I knew the vendor as well. So I picked up the phone to him just because I wanted to let him know personally, just like, I'm really sorry, but these are my reasons. So the fact that this particular buyer wouldn't even pick up the phone to the station just to, to to give a rationale for me just just made us feel a little bit worse. But the day before exchange is always painful. Yeah, so late and so frustrating. And as you say, to not really know or understand why they gave this this reason of the the doubling round rent, but it's so far in the future. It's not doubling that rapidly. We talked in previously about the the fact that it probably would be increasing faster than inflation, but but not but not too badly. And leaseholds will probably all be different in seventy years' time anyway. So yeah, I mean, as you say, if you if you're going to pull out of a purchase, at least be honest about it. At least let the relevant people know why and what the problem is and and obviously try and do it as early as you can mm. but yeah oh my goodness so so frustrating and that's the pain that's the pain is that you've lost we've lost three months over three months yeah but it was going through that process where we could have been and like everyone you know we, we're selling that property to, to to buy another one which kind of leaves us in a bit of a a mess but fortunately our family should be able to help us out on that one but you know, that that's the pain is the lost time. Yeah. So this is where you want someone to be using the, the Patma browser extension and property monitoring tool to have been looking at, at your property or, or to be searching in that area to see that your property has just come back onto the market and that you might be eager to sell rapidly because, of course, you need the, the funds out and might accept a slightly lower offer, you see. So it's, it's all about staying aware of the, the market and having the right software tools and and then getting your, your offer to, to buy nice and quickly for, for a slightly reduced price in at the right moment. Well done. That was that was integrated so well into the show. No, you know. <laughs> we, we we wouldn't guess that you that you you were the creator of Patma, which is which is a, a very valuable tool and I use almost daily. And here's a question for you, Live. How many viewings do you think we've had since we put it back on the market? Two weeks. Ooh. Um so you're the, the, the this is in sort of outer London, Kingston. So it's you, so central London is obviously a bit down at the moment, but further out maybe not so much. So um, I think probably still fairly fairly buoyant market. I don't know whether you what sort of price you put it on, how that compares to other things, but uh, let let's say two weeks you've had ten viewings. That would be really nice. I'd love that. We've had one. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that's it no one's ever going to believe my my market predictions ever again <laughs> so, so there's nothing new there that's fine <laughs> <laughs> but your your number is probably closer to what i believe should be the case because for for the for the, a couple of the reasons you've just mentioned we are in a buoyant market i am hearing that the market is hot 
Um, I've spoken with people about it. And a bit like uh, the scenario where we weren't renting a few rooms that we managed to get out quickly, my my concern is that we're with an estate agent that probably isn't making this front and centre. I don't want to make arguments for them, but maybe a £250,000 property in outer London isn't as valuable as other properties they're selling in London. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the things, isn't it? When, when a, an agent's being paid a percentage of the sale price, yes, it's a, it means you have lined up incentives to maximize the price because the more it sells for, the more they get paid. But at the same time, if you're in a slightly lower value or you're selling a slightly lower value property, so 250000 when most of the properties on their books are 500000 they're inevitably going to be prioritizing the properties that are 500000 because they're going to be paid double the amount because it's, it's all percentage-based. So, so yeah, yeah, difficult. You previously talked about potentially doing it yourself, trying to, to sell the property without an agent. Have you explored that any further? So we've used the software to rent the property and the same software Visum, you can sell a property. So in all likelihood, when I get the time, hopefully in the next couple of days, I will, I mean, you pay, um, I think it's around £130 for the basic package to put it online. I probably will do that because it's worth a go. The only reticence I have around it is that you guess that estate agents put it on Rightmove and, and most of the people, Rightmove stroke Zoopla stroke Prime Location. So you, my my view is that if you, if you put it on there, the people looking are, are bound to find it. But I think it's the, I guess, the motivation of, of those selling it to, to get people through the door. I, I suppose what I'm saying is well, even if I put it online, my expectation is that the people that are looking for that type of property would have already looked at it. So is there is there greater value in me putting it on myself? I always think yes, because I get to then filter and speak with the potential buyers and find out what the situations are. Because my wife, who, who manages this side of it on this property, doesn't get any updates. And I'm always hassling her because I know how it works, is that if we're not chasing it, no one is. So it's it's a tough one because you're going to have to spend up front. However, if you did sell it directly, you save, in this instance, I'd save a few thousand pounds, which to us is still a, is a significant amount of money towards the, you know, the next purchase versus not. Yeah, so I think the main thing you're going to be missing out on by not being an agent is sort of the cross-sell and may, maybe a little bit of the sort of existing mm. customer book. So if someone phones up saying, oh, I'm interested in flat XYZ, can I arrange a viewing? That agent will say, yes, of course you can view that flat. And by the way, have you also considered these other three flats that we've got on the market? Whereas, of course, you're, you will only hear from the people who have specifically noticed your flat and, and other people. So, I mean, for example, your, your flat is a studio flat. However, due to the way, it, due, due to the layout in it, it could almost be a one-bed flat. So hence, mm. people... A agents might find people who are looking for one-bed flats who they could say, oh, we, we know you'd really like a one-bed flat, but your budget's a bit tight or whatever else. Have you considered this studio flat, which is actually very close to, to sort of working like a one-bed flat, but it's obviously a, a bit cheaper and might fit in your budget or whatever. Whereas those people, 
are going to, to Rightmove and they're typing in, I want a one bed flat, please. And they'll just never see yours. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. And I think that's the thing is that it's it's about that black book. It's about the database. And that's what we've seen before with properties to rent is actually when they can go back through their historical database and say, well, actually, we had someone looking for a one bed and then that didn't work out for whatever reason. Have a look at this because likelihood is when we get through people through the door, they really like the property because, like you say, it's, it feels like a one bed flat. It's it's not your there are other studios in that building where it does feel like just a room, whereas this feels like, you know, it's split into sections and has very much got a, a different feel to it. So so we would lose that. But given the fact that in the last couple of weeks, we've only had one viewing that we're aware of, and we, we think they might have been wholly truthful with other viewings that, that may or may not have been booked, then I kind of think, well, what have we got to lose other than a hundred and something quid? I mean, we, we, we will obviously then start thinking about finding a, another agent who, who will hopefully approach this with renewed vigour. Presumably you're already set up to to put that listing on. So obviously when you put together a sales listing, you've got to write some copy for it. You've got to take photos, perhaps put together a floor plan. But because you've done the self-renting thing already, I assume you've already got those details. So unlike most people who... who wanted to take the property to market themselves might be looking at 150 quid to have it listed on my move but then also another 150 quid for a photographer and whatever you've, you've got a lot of that covered already so you've, you've you're just looking at the, the listing fee so it's as you say it's not very much of a gamble to, to give it a go really no so we, we probably will do that in the in the very near future so that that was one property and then the the other property is the seven-bed HMO, which we're selling. And the buyer had the valuation. And since then, I've been chasing every few days. And nearly three weeks now, we haven't, it hasn't moved on. We haven't had, they haven't had the valuation. And I found myself in the situation with the agents saying to them, look, I've been in this situation as a buyer and a seller a few times. And I believe that there are service level agreements in place with banks and surveyors. And I think they get something like 15 days to provide a valuation back. And it's now been more than 15 days. And they said, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, we think you're right. We'll go and question that. And there's still no news. But the good news out of that is that they then spoke with the buyer and the buyer said, look, no, we're, we're still very committed. We want to buy. So, so that was some positive news that's come out of the situation at least i feel touch wood comfortable that uh that the buyers are still in it's just a case of surveyors being extremely busy banks being extremely busy and so on and so on so that uh so that's going well just waiting for the process to slowly grind forward <laughs> yeah and and it is a grind and and that's the problem isn't it i think a lot of the noise in property that we see that people selling courses is about how how wealthy you can be, how quickly you can be wealthy. But properties is a grind. It can be a grind. It can be really good. It, you know, it can provide lots of wealth creation, but not without hard work and effort. And and just elapsed time, I think, because even if it goes well and and works, property does just move so slowly. Mm. 
I mean, yes, you can take faster strategies like rent to rent type things, but even then, the process of finding the properties, talking to the landlords, working out contracts, perhaps changing tenants and tenancies for people who are there already, doing refurbishments and things, you're talking months. It's it's still just time consuming and yeah. You're not gonna get rich quick or get rich overnight that's that's not going to happen in property well i I thought that when we for those that haven't listened to the last episode but the last episode where we talked about the and you ran through the the financial alternatives of buying those block of flats but in those scenarios if you had two flats or three flats one would have generated circa nine thousand pounds per annum net and the other circa fourteen thousand pounds net and you know, fourteen thousand pounds annually. That's that's almost a salary. I think that's the you know slightly above UK's part time salary. But of course, if you've if you've got the whatever the numbers were to invest in that property, which was you know hundreds of thousands, even with support, just shows you that 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 was a, that would be a lot of effort and a lot of capital to create fourteen k per annum. Most people aren't going to start with that kind of capital so yeah i, I completely agree you know, it takes time and effort and on the time and effort part it, my my property company it will be five years this year and you know we, we've just recruited someone part-time for you know a couple of days a week and, and that's taken us five years you know so and i would say the company hasn't really paid me to be honest it's you know, it's, it's really looking after itself and washing its own face. And, and reinvesting. And reinvesting. It's, it's all been reinvested. It's, but then I, I've used a lot of capital and investor finance to grow the business. So it's, it's, it's not that it hasn't paid me. It's just that it's, it's kind of paying itself. And, you know, there was a lot of debt, which we've, we are working our way through. There still is a lot of debt, if I'm being honest. But um, being able to get someone on, or someone in the company that can now start looking at the admin and, and doing all the things that I've made a real mess of is is, is fairly good. Yeah. So how, how did you find them? How did you go about finding a, uh, I think that they've joined as an actual sort of real employee, haven't they? Am I right in that? Or, or are they a contractor or? Yes, they will. They will. They will be an employee. They've started as a contractor. So, we started looking at this because of the whole Kickstarter scheme. So very quickly, for those that haven't looked at it, the Kickstarter scheme is a government-funded program where you can now recruit, I believe it's 16 to 24-year-olds, and the government will cover the cost of them for 25 hours a week. They have to be 16 to 24-year-olds who are claiming universal credit. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the key point, is that they're, so they're already on universal credit. Uh, so you're you're and I quite like the idea of that. Obviously, getting some resource for that is funded, but also being able to to help and of and of course you know they may or may not work out, but that's I think that's true of anyone you recruit. And, and the other thing on that for those that are just thinking about it is is if you do get someone that comes into the business, the government then provides fifteen hundred pounds towards uh, equipment costs, office costs, and so on and so forth. So I rent an office. But I thought actually it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a no lose situation if if you get to that scenario. So I've applied for it. I applied for it uh, directly with the government, and 
I I'd also applied for it through an agency, which I'd forgotten about. Anyway, the long story short is the government told me that I hadn't passed. So I just decided to go on to uh, indeed.co.uk. I'd created a job spec for um, an operations assistant, got a candidate who's been really, really good. Um, she's been excellent. And the day that she came in for a face-to-face interview and I gave her the job, I got an email that same day to say that I've just been accepted for the Kickstarter scheme via this agency. So uh, <laughs> obviously the timing is everything. But this, uh, so we, we will probably still look to do that if we, well, we are advertising a role via the uh, DWP. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But essentially it was just a job posted on Indeed.co.uk, which was you know minimal cost. You, yeah, the, the effort really is in writing the job spec and deciding what we can pay. But already just the fact that the the administrative elements of the business are getting sorted out has genuinely freed up some of my mind space to think about the the genuinely higher value tasks. It's often the way, isn't it? Those little background tasks just nag at you and, and you say take up space in your head. Once you, or if you can, get those out, you can just think more clearly about more important things yeah how long have they how long has it been since they started really uh, over a month now so they've been been working with us for over a month uh two days a week so they do a day and two half days and yeah it's been really good just having someone else to talk to the business about and also that's just picking up things and dealing with uh, letting agents dealing with some tenants dealing with maintenance issues it's just really really helpful so my my view is the, the question mark I've always had and is is around when you can actually recruit someone because my the way my mind has worked and I'm sure a lot of people's works is well I can't recruit someone till I've got the the finance the funds to pay them but then it's it, it does become a catch twenty two because you think well until I've freed myself up to be able to focus on growing the business or how I want it to. I'm not going to be able to employ that person. So it just got to a stage where I really just wanted to bite the bullet. And I have to say, already within a month, I'm feeling the benefit of that because I'm now able to focus on the the cash flow of the business. That is the most important thing. You know, money in the bank, that is the most important thing. How 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 long can the business survive? And while I'm focused on the minutia of responding to the various tenant queries, the letting agent issues, and so on and so forth. You, you just can't focus on that. So it's it's been a learning curve, but one I, I now realise was something that needed to happen earlier. It sounds like you've managed to, to find a, a good new employee or, or new staff member, perhaps is a more generic term, um, if they're, they're already making a difference to your day-to-day life after after a few weeks. That's, uh, that's really good. Yeah, and to be honest, I, I recruited her based on not on her CV. It was probably the, the shortest CV I received. I received a number. And the good thing about Indeed, actually, is that you can set a couple of tasks if you like. So you can set an Excel task or a questionnaire. And I see all of these as just little obstacles for some people because some people just won't be bothered to do it. So you can set that. But then some people sent me two, three-page CVs. Hers was less than a sheet of eight, one side of A4. But her perseverance and desire came across on the phone as did it come across in the interview so it really wasn't about what was written on the paper it was really just what I could see was her desire to want to do a good job and that for me was was everything so yeah when recruiting it's 
it's more about the how things are approached than than what people know for me did you have many applications did you go through many interviews before before making a decision i had several applications i had a few phone interviews three or four but i was very lucky that um she was in the first tranche basically and she was the first face to face interview i'd had another who who i invited and that didn't work out and yeah i would say within so it was kind of within 72 hours you know she'd applied we'd had a phone interview we'd had a face to face and it was just clear that she had the um the desire and i think that was the the thing that came through was the desire to want to do the role and um thank thank goodness after after you know a month or so that's proven to be the case no that's um yeah fantastic and you say they came for a face-to-face interview so presumably they are relatively local but are, are they generally working from home no so we, we've got a co-working space and i did say from the outset more than happy i said it's really flexible don't have to work in the office however it would be good for us to to sit to together for at least a half a day a week for for the first month just you know while you're getting the hang of processes and because we use a, a software to to manage properties and also there's lots of other you know folders on dropbox and stuff and it's just running through all of those but i th- i think she's like me in the sense that she likes being in a place of work to focus on that and um, especially having recently had a little one so yeah so at the moment just uh, working together cool well, i'm i'm really pleased that's uh, that's going so well um i think we're out of time thank you very much to everyone who's been listening we, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to listen to our, our ramblings. And we really hope you're, you're getting some value and entertainment or something from them. And if you are, please, please do let someone else know who you think would as well. And show notes for this episode and all of our other episodes can be found on thebusinessofproperty.com. And Stuart and I will talk to you again next week. Yeah.